From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Once again, we count it a privilege to welcome you to another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, presenting a series of studies on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text is found in Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10. I will strengthen thee. God has a strong reserve with which to discharge this engagement, for he is able to do all things. Believer, till thou canst drain dry the ocean of omnipotence, till thou canst break into pieces the towering mountains of almighty strength, thou never needest to fear. Think not that the strength of man shall ever be able to overcome the power of God. Whilst the earth's huge pillars stand, thou hast enough reason to abide firm in thy faith. The same God who directs the earth in its orbit, who feeds the burning furnace of the sun and trims the lamps of heaven, has promised to supply thee with daily strength. While he is able to uphold the universe, dream not that he will prove unable to fulfill his own promises." Remember what he did in the days of old, in the former generations. Remember how he spake, and it was done, how he commanded, and it stood fast. Shall he that created the world grow weary? He hangeth the world upon nothing. Shall he who does this be unable to support his children? Shall he be unfaithful to his word for want of power? Who is it that restrains the tempest? Doth not he ride upon the wings of the wind, and make his clouds chariots, and hold the ocean in the hollow of his hand? How can he fail thee? When he has put such a faithful promise as this on record, wilt thou for a moment indulge the thought that he has outpromised himself, and gone beyond his power to fulfill? Ah, no! Thou canst doubt no longer. O thou who art my God and my strength! I can believe that this promise shall be fulfilled, for the boundless reservoir of thy grace can never be exhausted, and the overflowing storehouse of thy strength can never be emptied by thy friends or rifled by thine enemies. Now let the feeble all be strong, and make Jehovah's arm their song.
For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice, from henceforth even for ever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. We had let the Bible speak, pray that the truth of salvation through God's only begotten Son will be your portion at this Christmas season. today's broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns will continue a message called The Spirit of Adoption, part of this series of studies in the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. In spite of their having come to Christ for salvation, many Christians live in the fear that somehow they have to do something to maintain their standing of acceptance before God. Yet a true understanding of their position in Christ will do away with that fear. Now Dr. Cairns brings the next portion of this message, the spirit of adoption. Ephesians 1, 6. 
in the beloved we are accepted in the beloved son we are the accepted sons of God that's the meaning in Ephesians 1 6 coming right after a reference to adoption you'll see that's the meaning in God's uniquely beloved son we are accepted as sons of God it's easy to say that my friend that is the ministry of the Holy Ghost to witness those things we are therefore free as the very sons of God Romans 6 and 14 brings this down to a very practical level Sin shall not have dominion over you. Now let me say, this is a verse that deals with Christian victory, yes, but it goes to the basis of Christian victory. Sin is not your master because you are not under law. You are under grace. Sin shall not have dominion over you because you are not living in an economy or God has not placed you in a situation where your Christianity, your acceptance with God, your victory, your anything depends on your ability to do the law, to fulfill the law. You are under grace. And under grace, you are in Christ and one with Christ. Through the merits of him who fully satisfied the law, there is victory over sin. Oh, that God's people would learn this. So many, as I say, laboring under guilt. So many cannot get their minds off the failures and the filth of a past life. So many can't get beyond the skeletons that keep dropping out of the cupboard. I want to tell you, my friend, there is an answer to all the guilt. There is an answer to all the roaring condemnation of the law. It's in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. When a man comes by faith to Jesus Christ, then the spirit of adoption says, you are no longer under law. It's satisfied. And you are accepted with God. It's the first thing the spirit of adoption does. The second witness that he bears is that we have no need to labor under tormenting fear. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Not received the spirit of bondage. Second Timothy 1 verse 7, God hath not given unto us the spirit of fear. Now that's clear enough, isn't it? Fear here means the accusing conscience stricken by the Holy Ghost as he applies the law of God. 
Now, if you were to look up the commentators on our verse this morning, you would find that they are at sixes and sevens. Our student ministers are finding out when I give them a tough passage uh, that the commentators have one great ability, always, that is to confuse you. Because if one says, this is white, the other will say, no, it's black. And if you say, well, let's take it as black, somebody else will come along and say, no, it's gray. And say, well, let's take the compromise situation, somebody else will come and say it's yellow. You know, it can be anything when you look at the commentators. Uh, that tells you that uh, ultimately you've got to go to the best commentators who are not going just to read in their own peculiar little uh, preconceived ideas. But when you get to this, they have a real difficulty. What is the meaning of the word spirit, the spirit of bondage? And the spirit of adoption. Some of them will say it means disposition. You don't have a disposition of slavish fear. But you do have the disposition of sonship. That's all very true, but I don't believe for a minute that's what the text is saying. Then there are some of them, and they'll say, well, the spirit of bondage, that's a disposition to fear. The spirit of adoption is the Holy Spirit. Then there are others, and they're very bold. And they say the spirit in both cases is the Holy Spirit. And I think they're right. Immediately it is said, but the Holy Spirit is the spirit of liberty. 2 Corinthians 3 and 17. So how can it be said the Holy Spirit is in any sense a spirit of bondage to fear? Bondage that produces fear. How is that the Holy Ghost? Well, my friend, here we get to the heart of the gospel. Yes, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of liberty to the sons of God. But before a man comes to be among the sons of God, the Holy Spirit is a spirit that causes a feeling of bondage and of fear. It is not true to say that uh, the unsheathed man who is not convicted by the Holy Ghost lives in bondage that produces fear. Oh, he lives in the bondage of sin, but he loves the bondage of sin. There are people in this meeting this morning, and they're not saved, and they know it, and they love it. Oh, they're in bondage to the world. They're in bondage to the devil. But they kiss the very chains with which they're bound. That's not the bondage that Paul's talking about here. A bondage that produces a tormenting fear is what he's talking about. What does he mean? Well, you'll find what he means if you go back to Romans 7 and verse 9. I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Let me very simply explain that. There was a time, says Paul, when before the law and the Spirit of God had begun to stir my soul in conviction, I felt that I was right with God. I was at ease. 
with my own good works. I was at ease with my own efforts to save my soul. But then the Holy Ghost came and he quickened uh, the use of the law within my heart to make me see that holiness was more than a pharisaical do this and don't do that. He made me feel the spiritual fullness of the law and he made me to feel that I was a sinner in bondage to keep the law in all its perfection and if I didn't keep it in absolute perfection that law would damn me to hell. That's what Paul meant. Robert Murray McShane, when he wrote his great hymn, Jehovah said, Kenu, the Lord our righteousness, he said, I once was a stranger to grace and to God. I knew not my danger, I felt not my load. Though friends spoke in rapture of Christ in the tree, Jehovah said, Kenu, was nothing to me. Then he added in the next verse these words, When free grace awoke me by light from on high, then legal fears shook me. I trembled to die. That is the spirit of bondage unto fear. That is the convicting work of the Holy Spirit whereby he slays a man's self-righteousness. Can I say, my friend, that one of the great weaknesses of modern-day evangelism is that it tries to get to the spirit of adoption without ever having the spirit of bondage unto fear. It tries to get to conversion without conviction. It tries to make a man feel good in Christ without ever feeling rotten in his sin. Paul is talking here about a time when before conversion the believer felt the burden of sin, felt the weight of sin, felt the nearness of hell, trembled under the impending doom of the wrath of God. He felt that there was but a step between him and death, just a thread holding him out of hell. I want to tell you, my friend, that is true of every sinner. You're in this meeting this morning and you're not saved. There is but a step between you and death. There is but a breath between you and hell. There is but just a hair's breadth between where you're now sitting and where you could lie eternally in the depths of a burning hell. Yet you don't see it. You don't feel it. And you can shrug it off. And I freely admit to you today that I, even if I could have the tongue of a Demosthenes, if I could preach like a Chrysostom or like a Whitfield, I could not make you feel it. But the Holy Ghost can. The Holy Ghost can. It's my constant prayer that he will. But thank God he doesn't leave us there. He doesn't leave us there. Any of you can look back when you were under conviction. Now don't misunderstand what I've said. I am not making a virtue in itself out of the length 
or even the depth of that conviction. I'm saying that God makes every man whom he sees feel that he's a sinner and feel that he's near to hell and feel that he can do nothing about it and feel that Jesus Christ is the only answer. But he doesn't leave us there. He brings us all the way through and bless God in saving us. He becomes the spirit of adoption. No longer are we under the dread of the broken law. No longer are we under the terror of the wrath of God. No longer do we tremble at the thought of having to see God's face. John puts it very well. First John chapter 4, verse 16, We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. Herein is our love made perfect. Let me rephrase that. Herein means on account of this, on account of God dwelling in us and us dwelling in God. This love is perfected with us. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Here's one of the greatest statements in the Bible. Because as he is, so are we. In this world. If there's ever a verse in the Bible that sums up the very heart and substance of adoption, there it is. As he is. You think of how he is today. Think of what he is. Where he is. How he is. I want to tell you there's a correspondence between where we are, what we are, and how we are. As he is, so are we in this world, even now. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. 
This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we let the Bible speak. Thank you.